Um, we are going to continue in our series in James. We're walking verse by verse through the book of James. We're going to be beginning in James chapter 1, verse 21 this morning. James 1, 21. If you had a Bible, go ahead and turn there. If you don't, you're in luck. It'll be on the screen here in just a second. And I wanted to say good morning to you. You know, I've done some pretty stupid things in my life because people have encouraged me to do it. I mean, I, I think back and, like, you know what I'm talking about. That person's like, hey, man, do it. Do it, okay? Maybe you've not, maybe that's not you, but I have done some pretty dumb things because people have said, hey, man, just, just do it. For example, when I was in high school, someone encouraged me that we went to, all, went to a place that had all-you-can-eat fajitas, and we took that as a challenge, okay, and like a mandate that we were going to eat all that we could be- possibly bear to eat of these fajitas. And so because of everybody egging me on, I ate five plates of fajitas, and I paid the consequences. But they were all like, do it, do it, all right, fajitas. I remember another time in high school um, when uh, I was on, we were at uh, this place called Cypress Springs, and we were up on the dock, and I, they, everybody was saying, jump off the dock and do a front flip. And I was like, I don't want to do that. But everybody was like, do it. And they were chanting my name, Matt, Matt, do it, do it. And so I did it, sort of. I started the flip, and I landed right on my ear and couldn't hear for three, three weeks because I got so much water in the, my inner ear. I've done some pretty stupid things because people were egging me on to do it. Um, I also, this was, I was not a teenager. This was a, just a few years ago. I was a camp pastor at a church, or not a church, I was a camp pastor at a camp. And at the end of it, they didn't tell me this. I'm, you know, fully, cl- I'm dressed, you know, like street clothes or whatever. And I got a summons to come by the big Olympic-sized swimming pool. And, they, and, and I was like, this is not a good thing because you're the camp pastor by the swimming pool. You know you're going to end up in the pool. And b- behold, they had set up without telling me that they were going to have a belly flop contest. And, it, and I was going to be the chief participant in this one, or at least the, the, the celebrity, quote-unquote, participant in this. And so when, as I had walked up, everybody else had gone. And all I hear is like, yeah, Matt, go, go, do it, do it, do it. I'm like, what am I about to do? Don, Next thing you know, I have, and you can go, you can actually go on my Facebook page and see this. I had to do a belly flop contest fully clothed. The reason I did it was because everybody was chanting, do it. This is not a PSA to give in to peer pressure, but some of us have, okay? And some of us have, it has led to stupidity. However, the scriptures call us to do it a lot. In fact, the scriptures call us to action all the time, but when the scriptures call us to action, it's not, doesn't lead us to stupidity. Okay? It doesn't lead us to folly, but it leads us towards wisdom and life and blessing. Every time the scriptures are read and taught and you hear God's word proclaimed, there is there is a unwritten do it that is there. Like just put your faith into action. Just take a step of faith. Just for example, receive the gospel. Receive the good news of salvation, Jesus Christ. Receive the gospel. Just do it. In the Bible, you hear it oftentimes. Do it. Obey God. Do it. Turn from your sin. Do it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do it. The Bible, when it is preached and taught, it has good news for us. Good news is not worse. Good news is news. And it's the good news of Jesus. However, here's the deal. When we receive it by faith, which is really the gift of God as well, we're also called to put our faith into action because we are new, and therefore we have new ways of living. And so when you hear the Bible taught, It's not just for you to notch another Bible fact or that you've done your duty because you showed up. The Bible is taught so that you would obey and honor God with your life. So 
The Bible is egging you on to do it, to put your faith into practice. Matt, where you get that? James chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. We talked about this. What is the implanted word? It is when we are born again in Jesus Christ, when he sets our, his affections on us and he makes us new and we receive that new life by faith. We have been given a new heart and God has written, just like Jeremiah 31, he has written his law on our hearts so that we're different. And so receiving the word means putting off sin, receiving the, word, the implanted word that can save your soul in verse 22 leads us to this. What does it mean to receive God's word? In verse 22 it says this, but be doers of the word. And not hearers only deceiving yourself. So when it comes to God's word, now here's the major thing. I hope every time that I, I, I preach the Bible, teach the Bible, I want you to come away with at least one main thing. So after the end of the, at the, end of the message, when somebody calls you, texts you, or you're talking about how, how was church today, and everybody, somebody's going to ask you and, that, that, and they weren't here, you can say, here's what it was about. You've been to those places before. I've, been, I've probably preached many of those sermons before where you leave and you're like, what was that? And so I want you to come home with this, 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 drive this point home. When it comes to God's word, we are to be doers and not just hearers. You got me? Let me say that again. It's real simple. You see it in verse 22 because he says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. This is the main point. When it comes to God's word, we are to be doers and not just hearers. Now, if you are attempting, like so many, to be a hearer only of God's word, you are deceiving yourself. I want, I want to, now it says, oh, look at verse 22. Listen, listen to this, because I don't want, you to, don't want you to think that the Bible is teaching you not to come and listen to God's word taught or come to read God's word. But it's not enough just to stop there. Look in verse 22, it says, but be doers of the word. That's the emphasis of doing, of putting your faith into practice, listening to the word, obeying the word. That's what verse 22 says. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers. What is that word in the translation right there? That was actually for you to do it. What is it? Only or merely. That is the idea. So hearing the word is vitally important. Hearing the word of God taught, which is the scriptures which testify to Jesus Christ, that is what we were talking about, the word, okay? When the word is read and it is taught, and, and when you, whether you read it at home or you hear a, a teaching on a podcast or you hear teaching in your local church from somebody who's coming and explaining, expounding the Bible, that's what preaching is supposed to be, it's expounding the Bible to the hearers. When that is happening, it is an incomplete task. It's good to listen. It's good to hear. It's good to know the Bible, but it is an incomplete task without the doing happening. And there are so many people who are kind of, they, they act like sponges. Have you ever smelled something disgusting in your sink? I've never done that before. And before you know it, you may have a sponge in there that you would use to clean the dishes or what have you. And even if you put them in the dishwasher, I know somebody's saying, I don't do that, I dishwasher. Even if you do the dishwasher, you know you gotta do like the first wash, at least maybe you got a better dishwasher than I do, but I have to do like the, the pre-wash before I put it in there. 
You ever seen a sponge that's set there and it's soaked up water, it's soaked up a lot of, 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 of water, and it sits there for a while? What happens? Becomes sour. Churches are full of people who've downloaded the Word of God and have sat there with it and become sour and stinky because they have not got the Word out. They know all the answers. They have the Bible trivia, but they don't have a knowledge of God that leads them towards faith. Leads them towards obedience. Lead them to, leads them toward putting their faith into practice. And that is dangerous. See, remembering Bible facts, listening to sermons, whether they be live or podcasted or whatever, reading theology books, attending Bible studies in a week are simply not enough. Those are all good things. But if they... If that's all you're doing, it's just downloading facts. And so you can pass that Bible trivia, you know, you can win that Bible trivia game when you guys play it. That is not enough. Because God calls us to do this. Don't be hearers only. What does it say in verse 22? Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Because if you do that, you are deceiving yourself. Francis Chan, who's a pastor out in San Francisco, and a guy who who teaches a lot about discipleship, has this illustration that I think is perfect. Take, for example, a commandment. in In a child's relationship, let's say I tell my little boy who's five years old, or about to be five years old, I tell him to go clean his room. Okay? What do you expect him to do? Is everybody awake, okay, this morning? Let's just try this, all right? All right? You say, you say, go clean your room. You're spo- what is he supposed to do? He's supposed to say, yes, sir, I'm going to go clean my room. Now, what if he came back to me after that and he said, Dad, I memorized what you said. Thus saith my dad, go into all my room and clean it. Do you think I'm going to be happy with that? Then he goes away again and I say, go clean your room. And he comes back, Dad, I learned how to say Go clean, my, I'm gonna, go clean my room in Greek and Hebrew. I learned the original language that, that it was behind. Go clean your room in Greek and Hebrew. And I diagrammed the sentence out. I know what the verb is. Is that going to be enough? First off, if we did that, I'd be like, yes, you're going to be a doctor or something, and I'm going to have to work eventually, all right? It's going to be awesome because he's five. The third thing, the thing, he comes back again. He leaves, and he doesn't go clean his room, but he comes back. Like, Why is your room still messy? And he comes back. He says, Dad, listen, I'm going to work on that, but first, we're going to get a group of, um, group of my friends together, and we're going to talk about what it would be like and what it would look like if we actually did clean the room. We got together, and we're going to pray about what it means to clean the room. And we're going to talk about what it means to clean the room. Would, you, would that ever fly at your house? No, but why does it fly at church? Do you see something? Knowing the facts is simply not enough. Hearing the word taught is simply not enough. It must be believed and obeyed. Because honestly, our obedience shows that we believe it. It's like going to the doctor, and the doctor tells you all these things to do to get rid of some issue you're having. And you say, doctor, I believe you, but you go home and you do none of, you do none of the advice. 
Do you act? Do you, do you actually act? Are you actually acting like you believe that doctor? No, it's foolishness. So I want you to see something very clearly. If you think you are receiving God's word by just coming and hearing sermons, or maybe you're involved in a Bible study, or maybe you're reading, if it does not result in action, in, in obedience out of faith for the glory of God, you are deceiving yourself. Because we are called, and what it means to receive the word of God is not only to hear it and believe it, but do it. To put into practice what we are commanded. Jesus would himself say this in John 14, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so many of us today, you're getting a little nervous. Because you're talking about, man, you guys have been, I thought this church was talking about free grace. And salvation by grace through faith alone, apart from works, that's exactly what we're talking about. But their people are missing the boat. Salvation of God's grace, the new birth, received by faith, results in action. If your life is not changed by the goodness of God through faith, and your faith does not result in action, your faith is probably not real and genuine in the first place, because faith that saves is faith that moves us to do and obey the word of God out of love. And so here is the good news for us today. We must be doers of the word and not hearers only, because if we are not, we are deceiving ourselves. And it is not good to walk in deception any longer than you have to. Going on, not only is it deception to think that you can just download the word of God and not do it, Secondly, it's absurdity to think that you can just hear the Word of God and that would be sufficient without putting it into practice. It's absurdity. Let me give you the definition of absurd. One of my favorite genres of humor is absurdity, the things that just don't make sense. The word absurd, this is a dictionary definition, all right? Hey, I have one. Actually, I don't have one of those. I I did what everybody else does, and I Googled the word definition of this, and this definition came up, and I think it's good in the right use of the word. Absurdity means this, wildly unreasonable, illogical, or inappropriate. Second definition kind of rounds out the word. It means arousing amusement or derision, ridiculous. It is ridiculous to think and illogical to think that you can just hear God's word. The God of the universe speaks, comes in the word made flesh, Jesus, and he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And it is, it is folly and super illogical for us to think that his commandments and his things are just like, we can either take them or leave them. They're like suggestions. You realize that? That's so insane to think of the word of God as a suggestion. But the God of the universe, the all-powerful, almighty, all-knowing, all-sufficient, beautiful mind, if you will, that spoke and created and all the complexity of the universe and even getting down to the complexity of in our human bodies and our circulatory system and all of the things that go on, we take his word as mere suggestion, like it was just something that, if I do this, my life might be better. That's insanity. It's illogical. It's absurdity. And here is James points out the absurdity in verse 23. Verse 22 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, 
He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and at once he forgets what he looks like. Let's take this at face value first and show how weird this is. You look at a mirror, you have a mirror in front of you, and most of us now, like it used to be the ladies, like my wife used to have a compact, you know, that had like makeup, and then you'd open it up, and what would be on the other end of that compact? A mirror. <laughs> well, now you don't do that. What do you use? What do I use? I, I don't put on makeup. <laughs> you know that. I don't, I mean, you get your phone out, right? And you turn it around, the camera's pointing at you, and you're like, you know, picking your teeth or whatever you got to do. That's become our mirror. So don't get caught up in the fact, like, I don't use a mirror. This isn't for me. But just think about the absurdity of this. You look at your face in the mirror. It's like you study your face in the mirror. You see the different contours and lines. You know it's you. You know what you look like. You see a picture of yourself most of the time. You're like, hey, that's me. And the absurdity of being a hear only and a doer of the word, it's like you look at the mirror, and then as soon as you leave, you immediately forget who you are and what you look like. Do you know how ridiculous that, that sounds? Now, just because it's ridiculous doesn't mean it doesn't happen. I see a picture of myself one time, and I'm like, who's that bald guy? Oh, my gosh. That's me. I was talking to Mitch about that the other day, and he said he did the same thing as a security camera. And he looks up and like, who's that bald guy? It's me. And me and Mitch suffer from male pattern baldness. I love you, Mitch. All right? Keep it real, you know? And so here's the, here's the thing. I know it's absurd to think about it, and it is absurd because it would be completely illogical for you to sit picture. Who's that guy? Like, that's you. Can you imagine if someone showed you a picture of yourself, how weirded out they would be in your flight? Who is that? Like, who's that guy? And they're like, it's you. <laughs> no, that's not me. You realize the absurdity of this picture that is being taken? That's at the surface level. Let's go a little bit deeper and look at it again and look at all the parts of what this, this illustration of what it means. If you violate this commandment of being a doer and a hearer, if you're a hearer only, if you just download the word and you don't put it into practice, you're like that person who forgets his natural face. Look in verse 23. It says, this, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. The word of God has been spoken of in many different ways and in many different, given many different um, illustrations in this passage. We see it as the implanted word, so it's kind of like a seed in, um, in verse 21. And now we see that the word of God here is compared to a mirror. Now, their mirrors were different than ours. Our mirrors now are cell phones or maybe that one in your compact or maybe you have a long one at the house. But their mirrors were usually not glass at this point in history. Most of the time, it was some type of piece of metal that had been polished to the point where they could see some reflection. It's not nearly as clear as ours are now. The mirror here is being compared to the Word of God. And so here's what we have. We have a picture of someone who looks intently at a mirror, the mirror being the Word of God, and they see their natural face. What does that mean? They see who they now are in light of the scripture. You following me? That's what I mean. He says natural face. There's an emphasis here. You see who you now are. See, I want you to know something, and this is Paul. James talks about it as that he brought us to new life through the word. James talks about that in, in the previous sections. I want you to hear this, that if any person's in Christ, he is a new creation. 
the scriptures show us that our natural face has changed. Does that mean we're completely sinless, like we don't struggle with sin? No. It means in, in, because of Christ, we're righteous because of his righteousness imputed or given to us. But that doesn't mean we're completely righteous. But when he's talking about looking into the mirror and seeing your natural face, those who are Christians have been transformed, and we are no longer dead spiritually. We are alive spiritually, and because of that, we are heirs, and we, are, we hold the promises of God in our hands because he's given them to us. You following me on that? When you look into the mirror of God's word as a believer in Jesus Christ, yes, you know that you still fall short of the glory of God, but you also see the wonderful promises that you, though you have sinned and are of, by nature a child of wrath, the God of the universe has adopted you into his family through the shed blood of Jesus. And now you are redeemed. Now you are alive. Now you were once dead to the things of God. Now you're alive to the things of God. You used to be in bondage to sin. Now sin has no reign over you anymore to reign in your mortal bodies. And that is what it means to look intently at this mirror and see your natural face. Naturally, Left without Christ, we are all dead in our sins. However, when we pass to death, from death through life, through faith in Jesus Christ, we are different and our natural face is different. Who we are is different. Oh, the riches of God's grace to those who love him and trust him through Jesus Christ. We are sons and daughters of God. Man, there's this song that, that's out right now and it's called No Longer Slaves, man. The first time I heard this song, I about, I, I almost got ugly cry. You know what ugly cry is, right? You know, it's not just like the wiping the tear away, okay? I, mean, I almost ugly cried on this one. You know, that whole body like, okay? It's not because I was, you know, just feeling real sad or anything, but the truth of that struck me. The song goes, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And the scriptures for the people of God, they show us our sin. But our sin is not the end of the story because we have redemption in Jesus who bore our penalty and raised us up to new life. And we're not slaves to sin anymore and fear. We have been, fear has been cast out by perfect love and we are children of God. And it's absurd for the children of God to look intently at the law of God and look intently at their face and see the change that has happened to their nature through the Spirit of God and to go back and do sin, go back and to live in sin. Follow the thought. For if anyone, in verse 23, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, seeing what God has done. For when he looks at himself and goes away and at once forget what, forgets what he is like. That shows the absurdity of our disobedience. To look at the law of God and see who we are and then go back and to live in sin and forget. This, I, this word here at the very end, to forget, verse 23, or verse 24 it says, forget what he is like. The word here, what he is like, has the idea of quality. You forget who you are. To 
Look intently at the Word of God, to hear it taught, to hear it preached, to hear the promises of God, to hear the promise of redemption in Jesus, to see the good news that you're no longer slaves, but you're actually a child of God. To look at that and then to leave and act like you're not a child of God is completely foolish. It's like forgetting who you are. You're forgetting the redemption that's happened. You're forgetting the quality of who you are now. Not because of yourself, but because of Jesus. That's how absurd it is to think that you can just look at God's word, look at his promises, look at his goodness to us, and then to just immediately leave the the Bible study or the time of worship or the time where the Bible's taught and go and act a different way. That is so absurd because you are not the same if you're in Christ. You are completely different. So you must be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Verse 25 picks up this way. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So let's follow the train of thought. James says this, because what does it mean to receive the word of God? What it means to receive the God, word of God is to put off sin and to be a doer of the word, to look at God's word, to hear the word preached. Not only that, to see who you are, look at it, see the change that has been wrought through the grace of God, through his word, through the completed work of Jesus, and then to go on and to, to forget what that is is complete foolishness. But now to the one in verse 25, it says this, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the mirror, now you can see that it is called the perfect law. And not only is it called the perfect law, it's called the law of liberty. Just think about that for a second. That seems like an oxymoron. The law of liberty is like jumbo shrimp, Right? You know what I mean by jumbo shrimp. <laughs> like Shrimp means small. Jumbo, it's just a little bit bigger. It's not really jumbo. In fact, if you saw a shrimp that was like a foot long, you're probably near a nuclear power plant and want to stick clear of that shrimp. Okay? What does it mean, jumbo shrimp? It's a little bit bigger. It's an oxymoron. It's not really jumbo. I mean, it's bigger than the other one. To call the law the law of liberty is kind of ridiculous, isn't it? So it's those who look intently at the law of liberty. The law of liberty. What is he referring to? Well, he's obviously referring to the Old Testament. Old Testament was called the law. In fact, a lot of times, even in the New Testament, I think the law refers to the whole counsel of God. When you think of law, what do you think? Don't do this or there will be a punishment. And there's a lot of thou shalt nots in the Bible. Like Ten Commandments, you've heard of those before? Right? Are you, are you heard of those? Seen those? Plaques? Things? Okay. Maybe someone's house. There's lots of laws. The book of Leviticus, if you want to get some weird laws, go to Leviticus. you got some weird ones there. When we think about this, when you think about the law, you are thinking about maybe standing on a street corner and needing to cross the street and you're not close to the crosswalk yet, but you're going to jaywalk. Or you're thinking about the speed limit. I don't know if you've been caught in that. Like, you know, it takes forever to get a normal speed coming out of Hartsville, right? Going into Gallatin or Lebanon, because it's like 35, 35, 35, 50, okay? And if you're coming back, <laughs> I startled somebody when I yelled 50. 
when you're coming back in this other way, right, you got to slow down. What happens if you don't slow down enough and the popo is sitting right there, all right? Ooh, ticket, all right? Thank you. You're going to be paying some money to Trousdale County because you have broken the law. You should do this. You should not do this. If you do that, there's a penalty. That is the law. That is in the Bible, right? Jesus, when he comes, he says, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And that is in the Sermon on the Mount. And then he goes on, he talks about different ways in which you can violate the law. And he's very clear that that you can violate the law, even if you don't break it physically, you can break it in your heart and you can still be guilty. That's making stuff harder. Because, like, they were thinking, and the Pharisees around who knew the good, they knew about the law, what would they say? Well, I tithe of everything I get. I even go around and I tithe of the plants that I have in my garden. I go every tenth plant, which that has to be exhausting, by the way. One tomato plant, two tomato plant. Oh, it's the tenth one. (laughs) Okay, here you go, God. That's got to be like totally exacting and and just completely exhausting, right? Not only that, he goes on and he says, he says, thou shalt not commit adultery. Have sex outside of marriage. And then what he says, but if you've, but he says, you've heard it said this. And then what did Jesus go back and say in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7? What does he go on and he say? But if you've looked with lust at a woman or some member of the opposite sex with, with, with lust in your heart, you're guilty of adultery. Then you go to anger. I've mentioned this on so many occasions because I get road rage from time to time, and I know I'm a murderer in my heart. He says, you've heard it said. And then he says, now he says, if you, you said if you call your brother a fool, you're guilty of murder. He said, thou shalt not murder is what, what had been said in the, in the commandments. But now Jesus said, what is, if you've committed murder, you call somebody a fool in your heart, you're guilty of murder. So we got a whole bunch of lustful, adulterer, murderers, liars hanging around us. And we're probably the chief of it. How can you look at the law and call it the law of liberty? Because this, the law points us to despair in our own ability and our unbelievable need of a Savior outside of ourselves. And it becomes liberty because when we believe, when we are reborn and we receive it by faith, we no longer are under that law because Christ took care of all of our sins and our breaking of the law. And now he has freed us to obey the law. And now we don't want to just obey the law of God. We desire to obey God out of love. And so what used to be our taskmaster, what used to be the thing that showed us to be guilty, is now the thing we love because we, don't, we no longer see it as rules that beat us down to a pulp, but we see them as words from our Father, good instructions from our Father that we want to obey. Not that we always do, but now we want to obey out of love. And so we see here that he calls it the law of liberty in a good way, the law of God become freeze us because it shows us our inability and our need for a savior and it also through the preached law of god the good news of jesus we have new birth and are now awakened to obedience through faith that is a love relationship and not a checking off of the boxes 
and making sure we got everything just right. It goes from this. They used to have school uniforms at the last place my wife taught. So every now and then, the principal would have everybody in the whole school come out and stand in front of their classrooms. And the principal would walk up and down the row and would highlight any kind of dress code violation that was there. It was very, <laughs> it was very totalitarian, if you will. It was, very, it was a very difficult situation. And you imagine, my wife taught second grade at this time. They're all standing at attention. I mean, it was like a, a military inspection. And they walked by, and the, the lady, she wouldn't even speak to the kids. She'd speak to the teacher, shirt tail out. Belt's the wrong color. Wrong color shirt. Pants frayed at the bottom. And they just go around and just call all these things out. And that is what the law does. It points out our sin. But here's one thing that happens when Christ comes to fulfill the law. He is our obedience for us. He is the one who frees us from the guilt of our dress code violations, if you will. And now... We are free to obey, not, because, not out of fear, but out of love. Not only, I'm going to get you, you lawbreaker. No, it's like we want to do out of love, out of the grace of God. I think that's why this is such a, this is a wild passage because it says you look at your nature and now you see who you are in Christ and to leave and act a different way is absurd. And also when you look at the perfect law of liberty, the law that sets you free to obey God, but the one who looks into the perfect law of liberty and perseveres, being not a hearer who forgets but also a doer, when you look at the law and you see the law of liberty and you see it as the law of liberty now and you don't forget who you are, you don't forget that you're obeying out of love, here is the good news. The person who does not, is not only, a, not only a hearer but also a doer who looks into the perfect law of, of, of liberty and does not forget it says this, he or she will be blessed in doing it. Not only is there no more penalty for doing it wrong, there may be some ramifications, but the penalty's been paid for the believer. There is great blessing in doing. So get this, it's not work salvation, right? I hope you hear me. It's not, you be good, therefore God saves you. No, it's this. He makes you alive when you are dead, implants his word in you, causes you to now hear and see the word of God as wise. Now you have a desire to put off sin instead of put it on, and you want to receive the word of God. What does that reception of the word of God look like? It's like, put in, it's like doing work, man. It's like you want to obey, not out of fear of judgment, but now out of liberty you want to obey God. And in doing all of this obedience, not only do you not have to fear judgment, you get blessings in the future to return. Blessings now and blessings in the future. I want you to know something. When you come to the Scriptures, and you can take a moment and you can dial away the distraction of your week, 
of what's going on, of what you must accomplish, of the insane fatigue that you may be feeling from working 70 hours or driving as long as you do. And when you take a moment and you look at the beautiful promises of God that even though he calls you to be a doer of the word, it is not your works that make you right. And you see now how wonderful it is to obey God and how much you love him because of the grace he's lavished upon you. And you get, if you just take that moment, you're going to get jacked, man. You're going to get pumped. You're going to look at that and you're gonna be like, I, am, I was a slave to fear and to sin. And now through the law of all places that shows how guilty I was, through that word, I now see the Christ of God. And now I can walk in liberty. And now I know I, when I hear the promises, these promises can't stay on the page or stay in the pew. They have to come true in my life for the love of God. And in doing so, I receive great blessing out of that. Now I want you to get this. The blessings are not cash. There's a whole, like some of you are in here like, oh, yeah, I'm going to obey. And it's going to be like Jerry Maguire, show me the money, God. That's a way old movie reference, by the way. I realized that. Show me the money. I'm being good. Do you know how low on the totem pole money is? I know you're thinking right now, I'd like to have some more. You don't know my bank account. You don't know how, how good money would be. Money comes, money goes. I got a hospital bill the other day. $24,000 to go to the ER. Thank you, Jesus, for insurance, okay? Do you realize that? I had a kidney stone. Like, it would wipe me out forever, okay? You see how easy money comes and goes? Money is so low. But I, I tell you, don't listen to teachers who tell you that following Jesus, the blessing of following Jesus is money, health, and wealth. The blessings and glory of following Jesus are knowing him and having eternal home with him and having a life with him now. Jesus is better than cash. God is bigger than cars. Knowing him is better and best. And we are to be doers of the word out of love because he is better. He is better. The blessings that you see here that come from not only being a hearer but being a doer, they are far greater than having some more coin in your bank account and being healthy and being well thought of. The blessings of God in doing the word far outweigh that. I want you to know something. If you're thinking, and I love having you here, by the way. Thanks for being here. Love having every person. Love seeing new faces all the time. Love to come here. But I want you to know something. Our job is not to entertain you at the Journey Church. Our job is not for you to go at the end and you give it thumbs up, thumbs down, or rate the sermon, okay? Our job at the Journey Church is not, to, is not to get you excited about being here just so you can have some information and say, well, look at that novel approach they took to that. Or look at this Bible study that they had, and it was, I learned something new. Listen, I want you to know something. If it does not move you to love God and obey Him, what you are doing is worthless. If it does not move you to love God and to obey Him, all of your work in Bible study or Bible trivia or theology is worthless. But there is great blessing 
and not deceiving yourself, but being a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Let's ask God for help together. Oh, God, we just see your goodness to us in Christ, and we are overwhelmed yet again. We come and we ask that we would be doers of the word and not just hearers only, and that we not deceive ourselves. God, we pray that we would look into the perfect law of liberty and see and see how great it is and how glorious you are that you've changed us and changed our natural face and that we would not be forgetful and forget who we are and go on living in sin, but that we would remember who we are, that we're now children of God, bought with a price. And we're not our own. We've been crucified with Christ. And so, God, help us to walk in that reality, in that truth for the glory of your name. God, the blessings that you have for us are far more than money, far more than health, far more than position and, and prominence. And we want, and, that, and I think the greatest of those is God is knowing you. So help us as a church know you and to put our faith into practice. Let it not be enough that we hear your word taught, but let us put it into action. We come just thankful for Christ with hearts wanting to obey. We ask you bless this offering that we're about to receive, that you would use it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.